time for the NWO Orthopedic Sports Huddle. From the Fricker Studio. On Classic Hits 96.7 WBBI. On ESPN 1430 AM. And at 105.7 FM WFOB. The Sports Huddle is brought to you by NWO Orthopedics. Frickers. Warner Automotive. By Blanchard Valley Health System. Rotor Rooter. Bigby Coffee. By Northwestern Water and Sewer District. Wilson Tire. Grit. By MJ Brown Construction Company. Premier Bank. Campus Poly By Financial Design Insurance Agency. Snyder's Flooring Outlet. Ohio Automotive Supply. Seneca Millwork. Five Star Maintenance. And by the Rumpy Corporation. And now. Let's go to Lance and Matt. Coming to you live from the Fricker Studio. For the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle. Welcome on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Gauman here with you this Wednesday night. Thank you for making us a part of your Wednesday night for this edition of the show. Matt, how are we doing? I'm doing good. It's Super Bowl week, so you know that's always fun, even if it may be the uh the most boring Super Bowl option out of the ones that were available, but should be a good game. I'm excited about it. Got a great week of basketball for you guys. So I've already started on a good note with that game against uh, Crestview and Liberty Benton on Monday, but yeah, we got, we got a great show on deck for you guys. A lot of fun stuff to talk about. I, I could keep drawing this out and dragging this out, but we really should just get into it. It's going to be a great show today. On this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, we'll talk with Finley hockey coach Ben Paney as the Trojans get set to end their regular season this coming week. They got a big win last weekend against Bowling Green, winning on the road by a score of 5 to nothing. We'll talk with Travis Kinn, Tim and Columbian head boys basketball coaches. Tornadoes have had some ups and downs this season, a tough overtime loss last night to Anthony Wayne had to replace their all-time leading scorer in Logan Beeson coming into this season. They will be taking on Norwalk on Friday night. We'll also talk with Jordan Benson, Arcadia head boys basketball coach. He has a young squad once again in his second season as their head coach, but kind of starting to find their footing here in the second half of the season. We might not be physically at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials. Thank you at the Sirloin Steak Dinner. Kids eat free all day. Every day at Frickers, you can pick up from the carryout window, dine in, get delivery through DoorDash. Of course, find them online at Frickers.com and download the Frickers app for more. And as Matt also alluded to, join us this weekend for our coverage of high school basketball. Friday night on Classic Hits, we'll have a BBC matchup, Van Buren against Elmwood. Matt Brown and I have that one for you Friday night on Classic Hits. Friday on WFOB, we'll have coverage of SBC River Action, New Regal up against Old Fort. Matt Com and Tom Grind have the own Friday on WFOB. And then Saturday, we'll also have a game on each station on Classic Hits. We'll have a rematch of last year's district title game, Hopewell Loudon taking on Mohawk. You can hear that Saturday night on Classic Hits. And then on WFOB on Saturday, a nearby non-conference matchup, Van Buren taking on Faustoria. You can hear that Saturday night on WFOB. And Matt, as you also alluded to, plenty of... Uh, Great basketball taking place uh, this week. Already had the game on uh, Monday night with uh, Liberty Benson against Crestview on the girls' side. And then last night also had a pretty uh, good game as well as we had uh, Calvert needing overtime but able to prevail and get a win against uh, New Regal. So does also uh, add a little more stakes to what already is going to be 
a, a good matchup uh, for you on Friday when you have uh, New Regal uh, still trying to keep themselves uh, near the top of the SBC River when they uh, take on Old Fort. Yeah, I mean, really at this stage for New Regal, it's, I don't want to necessarily say it's a matter of survival, but it's really a matter of bracketology at this point. I, I hope Alon is probably going to win the SBC River at this stage. I mean, I believe they're now up a game and a half against their next closest opponent in the conference. So kind of locked in at this stage. It'd, it'd be a little bit of a surprise should that change at any point. But really for New Regal, I mean, a team that some really good growth this year, some great development. They've really hit their stride at different points. Just kind of the same thing we've talked about in the past with New Regal. They're just, they're almost there. They're Seattle at the one-yard line. Do you want to run the ball? Nah, I think I'm going to pass. Kind of situation. It's, so it's I, not to suggest that there's any coaching issues. I think they just run up against gauntlet teams every year in the SBC. So it, it, it's a big one for them. That's going to be a big game for them. They really do need that against Old Fort um, if they want to try and have a more solid like bit of momentum going into the postseason. I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, they still need to put in the postseason bracket. So that still hasn't been finalized yet. So that could be a game that pays big dividends for them if they can come away with that win against Old Fort. That that could help them significantly, right? I, I believe it's yeah, this I yeah, bracket. the yeah, brackets get drawn on Sunday. Um it the Friday games, I believe, all count based on what we've heard from uh, other coaches. The Friday games count, but the Saturday games, while they'll count towards your actual overall record, of course, they won't uh, factor into the seedings from what I understand. So, like, for instance, Mohawk Hopewell Loudon, as good of a game as I hope it'll be, since that's the one I'll have on Saturday, I don't think that will officially count in terms of the bracketology, but does... So we'll we still will see you know a lot of teams are near that top heap heap of the of that district with you know New Regal, Old Fort, Calvert, Hopewell, Arlington, Mohawk are all in that same bracket. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how that unfolds. I don't know how much a difference a game or two will make, but it's certainly uh, especially if New Regal is able to you know t- take down Old Fort, a team that's already beaten them once, certainly would help their chances if nothing else. Well, I, I think for something like that, especially if New Regal somehow takes Old Fort to the cleaners in that game. I mean, close, close narrow defeat to Calvert. You guys split the pair then with Old Fort. And that you've been competitive in these games against the rest of the top of the uh, SBC. I don't know, kind of makes me feel like it might boost New Regal a little bit. But I, I know, like you said, Friday night at midnight, that's the end of the games actually counting towards bracket voting itself so i, I got to imagine for Pope a lot they're a little salty about that that mohawk game would have been a nice uh nice boost to their resume but frankly they're gonna be a number one seed anyway how much more of a boost do they actually need at this point is kind of my mindset so i don't know some very good games some some good matchups this weekend uh especially friday night those should be some really good games across the board and uh Come Sunday, we'll find out uh, where we are going for adventures and journeys as we enter postseason play. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Finley hockey coach Ben Patey here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. At Blanchard Valley Health System, we're looking for individuals to join our family of professionals. We require compassion, dedication, and the desire to make a difference in a fast-paced healthcare environment. 
Jobs are available in clinical and support services. We offer competitive wages and benefits. The culture of BVHS is unique and rewarding. Visit bvhealthsystem.org backslash careers to search our current openings. Blanchard Valley Health System, we're here for you. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto Owners works with independent agents who answer when you call, so you can worry about more important things, like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Ask Financial Design Insurance Agency in New Regal if Auto Owners make sense for you. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Cobbin here with you this Wednesday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Finley Hockey Head Coach Ben Patey here in the Fricker's Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you again for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Always appreciate getting to catch up with you so for for you uh, on the hockey side what was it like you know when did when did getting ready for this season start I know the hockey season's a lot different than others so kind of when did things start coming into place for things uh for this uh for this hockey season it, it actually uh you know it, it is a long season but we start preparing um at the beginning of June so it's been you know six seven months now since we've been preparing and, and working towards uh what we've got coming up in the next few weeks and coach, I think that's something that not too many people necessarily understand is the extent of how long the hockey season actually goes on. So for for those of you for the for everyone listening at home, is that something you could just run through a little bit? I mean, it's, it's something that always throws me off guard: how long the season actually goes and how much prep time actually is required to go into that. Right. Yeah, sure. No, uh, yeah, like I said, we, we begin in June with uh, our off-season workouts. Uh, we'll meet anywhere from two to three, maybe even four times a week. Just, uh, you know, obviously getting getting stronger and faster. That's our goal. And then in September, we have uh, a full month of what we call captain practices, which consists of, I, I want to say it's around 25 to 30 practices that are ran specifically by our captains due to, due to OSHA rules. Um, and then uh, actually that runs through October. October and then early November I'm allowed on the ice and we're allowed to conduct regular practices and and that's technically when the season officially starts with games and whatnot and uh yeah we've been going since uh since then so yeah it's, it's a long season typically hopefully I'll end uh mid, mid-march uh with uh with the state championship but uh, yeah like I said it's it is a long grueling season talking with Finley High School head hockey coach Ben Patey here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. And not only is the season itself long, the travels can be, you know, quite long as well because not every team, you know, even in Ohio has hockey. So what are some of those uh, longer road trips you've uh, had throughout the season? Uh, we we, uh, we go to Cleveland a couple times a year for uh, for an annual, ter- annual couple of annual tournaments. Uh, we, we've traveled down to Columbus and just this season we uh, – we explored a tournament that we've never been to in Meadville, Pennsylvania, which is about uh, four hours away. So um, those are typically the, the places that uh, we'll go. And then obviously we'll go up to Toledo and whatnot and Bowling Green. But uh, yeah, the large ones are Cleveland, Columbus, and this year, Meadville, Pennsylvania. 
Oh, well, it certainly seems, Coach, that the uh, the tournament play and stuff like that that you guys have been involved in has been relatively successful. Looking at your season overall, if please correct me if I'm wrong on this, 18-7-4, and four, uh, qu- quite the impressive achievement so far from you guys. Anything in particular that stands out from how you guys have been playing so far on a one-game win streak at this point, but really seems like you guys are just kind of rolling this year. Yeah, we, we started off really, really well. Yeah, had a bit of a hiccup there mid midway through the season, and then we've kind of got things back on track the last, I'd say, 10, 10 games or so. Um, as for, you know, highlights from us, we, we have a strong, strong defensive core uh, combined with, I could say, arguably one of the best goalies in, in the state in Seth Russell. So uh, we kind of, we gear our game towards a defensive style. And, and as you mentioned with our record, we've been uh, fortunately successful because of that. And as we start to get near the end of the regular season, I believe last regular season game actually comes up uh, this weekend. Kind of what's the overall feeling you have, you know, for your team as you get closer to the postseason? We, uh, we, we're excited. Uh, we, we feel we've been uh, playing our best hockey the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, we've been, we've been thriving and winning and it's been fun. And uh, our, our guys are looking forward to not only this weekend, but uh, the playoffs starting a week after. So, uh, we feel we're in a great spot. We're healthy, uh, knock on wood. And, uh, you know, like I said, we're we're looking to make some noise this postseason. And looking at the postseason, um, it certainly seems like you guys are in a position to have a pretty high seeding overall. Do, do you have a general idea of where you guys might be looking at for your seeding and placement gate into postseason? Or is that still up for debate or still up in the air? Uh, it's funny you ask. We actually, uh, the coaches uh, and I, I have to vote this afternoon um, to, to see where the seating will play play out. But, uh, you know, if I had to guess, I would say we'd be the number one or, or number two seed in, in our region. So, like I said, we're excited about that, but uh, still a lot of work to be done. Talking of Finley High School head hockey coach Ben Patey here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And over the weekend, you guys had a big game on the road against Bowling Green. And not only that, one in pretty sizable fashion, winning 5 nothing, And it's always, you know, one of your bigger games. The, the rivalry with Bowling Green is one that we've gone back and forth with over the years with uh, you and, you know, some of the other coaches. So what is it like to, you know, not only have a big game against uh, Bowling Green in general, but then to come out with uh, as big a win as you did? Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, we certainly didn't expect to, to win uh, five to five to zero like that, but uh, you know, obviously we'll take it. But uh, we prepared, I thought, very well for them uh, leading up to to Saturday night. And on top of that, we we had an excellent crowd out there, which I feel like it almost gave us the home ice advantage, and our guys took advantage of it, that and fed off that. And uh, we, we came out we came out hard, and I don't think Bowling Green was expecting. Uh, what we were throwing at them. And, uh, you know, we just, uh, I thought we played an excellent hockey game. You mentioned your goalie as well as your defense already earlier in this interview, but got, got to take a moment and give some credit where credit's due. The offense seems to be really clicking at the right time as well. Anything you've noticed in the past few games that has really stood out to you offensively, how your team's performing? You know, they, they've been keeping it simple. Um, and that's, that's, why we've been successful, like I said, the last uh, couple weeks or so, but, uh, you know, we have to work to, to score our goals and our guys know that. And, uh, you know, they, they bought into that and we know our goals are, a lot of them are going to be ugly goals, but you know, they don't ask how they ask how many. So, 
uh, we're going to continue to do what we're doing and uh, um, keep trying to put more pucks in the net because ultimately that's the goal, right? So. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Lance Morris, Matt Common, talk with Finley High School head hockey coach Ben Padian. For you and the guys and, and the program, it also goes kind of beyond just hockey in general. There's various levels of uh, volunteer work and other things you guys do you know, outside of, uh, of hockey. So what can you tell us about uh, some of those different things uh, you and your team do? Yeah, so uh, our manager, Coach Cliff Brown, does an excellent job on helping uh, get a lot of that community service set up. Um, it, it's a vast list of actually what we do, but at, off the top of my head, uh, Habit for Humanity, we, we help out uh, at least once or twice a year. Um, Oktoberfest, um, we're, we're actually heading to, to Birchhaven uh, Community Living uh, the, uh, this uh, this week. Um, just to kind of engage with with those with those uh, folks and kind of you know maybe a spirit up there uh, their day or whatnot. But uh, you know, like I said, we're involved with so many things. Whether it's Gliding Stars IP uh, with the Faha uh, Minor Hockey Association, so it, it, I think it's good for these kids to to do that. And uh, you know, we, we, they certainly engage in it, and I, I think they enjoy it as well. You know, something I've noticed over the years, and I'd love your thoughts on it coach is the fact that since it is a little bit more of a uh, niche community being a part of the hockey community it really seems like it is a very tight-knit group even amongst the teams amongst the players it, it kind of seems like there's a lot of interaction off the ice and time between teams off the ice just as much as there is on the ice do, do you get that sense as well it re really does feel kind of uh, more than any other sport really that there is a very built-in community within the sport itself right and i can't speak about the other sports but in hockey in general i think it's just the personality that hockey creates um uh, amongst its players and um, respect i'll say for for one another um even though like i said or you know in regards to bowling green you know we don't like them when we play them but off the ice we respect them and you know, a lot of our players uh, are good friends with with their players and uh you know it's just i think it's just a respect thing that the game um creates um personality wise uh, amongst its players and which i feel is one of the greatest sports in the world because of it and finley also home of course to the cube and you know good luck finding a good hockey arena you know as far the further south you go, you're going to have to go to, you know, the bigger cities, you know, Columbus, Dayton to, to even get close to that. So what can you say, you know, about the cube and, and the atmosphere you uh, get to play your home games at? Oh, we uh, hands down, we have one of the best, if not the best uh, home atmospheres for high school hockey in the state of Ohio. Uh, we have amazing volunteers uh, led by Rich Fowler um, in what he does and his team does. Um, during our games is it, it's it's second to none and it's almost you know I don't want to say an NHL level but it's certainly a professional level whether it be from the music the uh, in-game uh, interaction um, the intermission activities that uh, that are put on it's uh it, it's phenomenal and, and we always have a good crowd and teams they, they love to come to play at the cube but they also hate it because they know it's going to be a, a tough game not only because of our team but uh, because of the atmosphere as well.
and that uh, atmosphere certainly seems to be a bit of a winning strategy for you guys. Look at your season 17, 6, and 2 at home so far this year. I mean, that's just absolutely a, a runaway from what I'm seeing here, at least according to the website. It's uh, Is it providing that much of an advantage for you guys, or just the fans get that much into it for you, really giving you that uh, a- extra person on the ice, as it were? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of a bo- uh, both a combination of one, our, our, our players love to play at home. Um, they get excited to play at home. And then, you know, you combine that with the amount of fans we get, the atmosphere, um, and even I'll say the intimidation factor that uh, plays against the, oppo- the opposing teams. Um, it just makes it a great place for us to play. And, uh, you know, even and it wasn't last year, but two years ago, I believe we went undefeated at home, um, playing 14 games, not losing a single one. So it's kind of been, you know, we take playing home very serious, and we want to put on a uh, a good show for our fans and hopefully get them to come back again. Talking with Finley High School head hockey coach Ben Patey here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, and then on uh, Saturday, you guys set to take on St. John's, a team that you uh, did beat earlier on in the, in the, in the season, uh, six to two. So, what have been some of the things you've uh, seen from them in uh, getting ready for that one? Um, to be honest with you, I haven't prepped too much uh, for for St. John's. We we spent a great deal just focusing on Bowling Green last week, kind of a day off yesterday, but uh, later today I'll start uh, getting ready for St. John's. But as for them, they they've played an excellent tough, tough schedule. So their record certainly doesn't reflect uh, how good of a team they are. Um, There's a lot on the line for us. And I know they'll want to be play the spoiler. So um, I think it's going to be an excellent hockey game, uh, but certainly one that we can win if we, uh, if we play how how we can play, we've played lately. So. And coach, what would be the message to the fans and the team going into this game? I know still a little bit early, still doing the prep work on them, but Anything coming to mind at the early stages here of what you are expecting from your team and from the fans on Saturday night? Yeah, I think our guys, are, they'll be certainly ready to go. Um, this is obviously a really, really big game for us. Um, as for St. John's, you know, uh, I know they're going to come in and, and work hard. Uh, that's kind of um, the personality of their coach. And, uh, you know, we wouldn't expect anything less. So um, it, it should be a tight, I would say, probably a low-scoring game, but uh, um, one that uh, will certainly be, be ready to go. And then last one I got, and I know that the, you know, the atmosphere at uh, Nationwide Arena in Columbus, I know it's, you know, it, it's a great atmosphere. You're playing in an NHL arena, so you have that going for it. I know that there's been, you know, people in in the media who have been saying, hey, maybe – Maybe it's time to bring the hockey tournament, you know, to Northwest Ohio up to uh, the Huntington Center up in Toledo where the walleye play. Is that something you would uh, be in favor of? Or are you just kind of in the camp of wherever we can play, we're going to go play? What is what kind of your are your uh, are your thoughts on that? Uh, for me personally, you know, I, I if we were to make the, the state tournament, I, I would care less where we played. Um, but looking at it from a different perspective, I would a hundred percent, uh, push for it to be at uh, Huntington center, even, uh, BGSU, the Slater ice arena. Um, you know, those are both excellent hockey facilities. And I, I think, uh, you know, you know, with nationwide having 16,000 plus seats, 
you know, it, it, it kind of diminishes the atmosphere that you would expect from a state hockey tournament. Whereas if it was at Huntington or BGSU, you know, the fans and, and spectators would be right there in your face, so to speak, and uh, create uh, an environment that you would expect from a, a state final four or championship um, a title game. This has been Finley hockey coach, Ben Patey coach. Thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us and good luck throughout the rest of the season. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Tiffin Columbian head boys basketball coach Travis Kinn here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. Everyday values are at only one place, Frickers. Monday, boneless frickin' chicken wings. Tuesday, traditional frickin' chicken wings. Wednesday is all about that steak. Thursday, frickin' chicken chunks. Frickers, where kids 10 and under eat free every day. Remember, draft beer specials, everyday values, and kids eat free every day. The home for money-saving value is the home for fun, food, sports, and spirits, Frickers. Morgan Advanced Materials has had a great 2023, and as the semiconductor industry soars, so does the demand for our products. The Fostoria Performance Carbon Division is scaling up our operations and expanding. We'd like you to be a part of our innovative team. Morgan Advanced Materials is hiring for multiple positions, including industrial and quality engineers, electrical controls engineers, capital projects engineers, EH&S generalists, and electrical project engineers. So come join our team that produces state-of-the-art electrical carbon products that are vital for our future economy. Are you ready to make an impact? impact, make your mark on future generations. So apply today and join our team at Morgan Advanced Materials located in Faustoria, Ohio. Call us at 419-889-1300 or head to morganadvancedmaterials.com to launch a career that strives to make this world a better place. Seneca Millwork is now hiring. They have a starting pay of $18.04 an hour with a raise to $18.31 after 90 days with a shift differential of $0.25 cents an hour for the third shift. Seneca Millwork offers medical, vision, dental, life insurance, and a 401k contribution. Apply online at SenecaMillwork.com or apply online through Indeed. Come work at Seneca Millwork, located at 300 Court Place in Faustoria. Seneca Millwork, part of the Ropey Holding Company family. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB, Classic It's 96.7 WBVI, Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Tiffin Columbian Head Boys Basketball Coach Travis Kinn here in the Fricker Zoom Room. Coach, how you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you again for uh, taking the time to uh, talk with us. Very much uh, appreciate getting the uh, opportunity to catch up with you. Yeah, anytime. Happy to help. You guys do a great job. So you, of course, uh, had one of the, I'd say, tougher kind of jobs heading into this season in terms of uh, knowing what you had to replace from Logan Beeston among some of the other guys uh, not with you uh, for graduation. You know, some of the guys, you know, uh, playing college football, things of that nature for uh, changing things for the outlook of this team. What was it like just kind of getting ready for things, you know, overall for this season? Um, you know, I think it was it was pretty standard, um, you know, from the standpoint of, you know, we knew who we were going to have and who we weren't. Um, you know, our standard is always a little bit delayed because of football playoff run, um, which our guys have grown accustomed to. So it was a very abbreviated preseason, um, but that's something our guys are are used to. Like I said, with the last few years of success, success that they've had, um, it just kind of comes with the territory. So 
you know, we, we had, I think at one point we had like three scrimmages in five days um, or something like that. But, you know, we felt that was just a way to play ourselves into basketball shape coming off of football season since we still have a lot of guys that play both both ways. And then, of course, kind of as we're starting to get, you know, closer to the end of the regular season and, you know, closer to the start of the postseason, what's kind of just the overall feeling, you know, been around the team? I know it's been a little bit of a skid as of late, but kind of just what's the overall feeling as you start to get near the end of the regular season? Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's been a little tough stretch here. You know, we've lost, I think, now six in a row. Um, you know, the the good thing is we've been in every one of those games. We've had a chance to win every one of those games. Um, we just haven't been able to get it done for whatever reason. So, um, you know, we're, we're not where we would like to be record-wise. Um, but, you know, we, we've played some some close games and a couple tough losses. Um, I think we have a total of five of our losses are by a combined 18 points or something like that. So, um, we're right there. Guys are still buying it in. Our guys are still working incredibly hard. And, um, you know, that's that's the most important thing. And, you know, I, I think we have enough talent on our roster that if guys continue to buy in and continue to work at it, then hopefully we can uh, see see things pay off and, and see some dividends pay off for us, you know, and start moving things in the right direction come tournament time, and then you never know what happens. Talking with Tim and Columbia and head of boys basketball coach Travis Kinn here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. One of those uh, tough games uh, recently, that game against uh, Bellevue from over the weekend. Always, you know, a big rivalry matchup when you guys do play. So what were some of the things you uh, did see, uh, the good and the bad from your team from that one? Um, you know, I think we just really, really competed well. Um, you know, we, we just didn't make shots. I think we were two of 19 from three. Um, and I think all of those looks, I would give the guys the green light to shoot those same shots again. Um, they just didn't go in, you know, so for whatever reason, you know, it wasn't our night. Uh, I thought we did a really good job handling their defensive length and their pressure. Uh, they got some guys that can really guard the basketball. So we took care of the ball. We rebounded better than we have in recent games. So that was another positive. Um, it's a simple game. We just got to find a way to make shots. Another thing we've been curious about is, you know, the different rules for the season. Of course, getting rid of the one-and-ones, having the bonus start at five fouls each quarter. We've heard some glowing reviews. We've heard some not-so-glowing reviews. We've heard, you know, coaches be right in the middle as well. Kind of where where on that uh, where on that alignment would you say you are kind of uh, regarding those new rules? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's anything major. Um, I guess I'd put myself right down the middle with that. You know, it's – it's at a different level of strategy at the end of quarters when a team has the ball and, you know, you might only have one or two team fouls and you want to foul so they don't get a good shot off. Um, but other than that, it really hasn't, I don't think, impacted our games um, in a great deal either way. One of the guys that has uh, really stepped into a, a bigger role from this season from last season to this season is uh, Brady Gooding, who was, you know, a role guy last year and, you know, has become a very significant player this season. Yeah. What has allowed him to, you know, just kind of sort of, at least on from my view, seamlessly kind of step into, you know, a leading guy role? Uh, the biggest thing for him is he came off football season healthy. Um, you know, he was probably the best player on our roster that nobody knew about last year because he didn't get to play until January. Um, he probably would have started early in the year, but – uh, because of his ankle injury, he he was shut down for a few weeks. So um, we kind of had to let him rest up and get healthy. But his success is is no surprise to to me or anybody in our locker room. Um, he is an incredibly tough kid, mentally and physically. Um, not real big stature wise at six foot six one, um, but he's a guy that you would go to go to battle with any day of the week. He competes at a high level. Um, he leaves it all on the floor. He plays at both ends and. 
again, I think the biggest thing is is he's been healthy. Um, I remember telling him after his sophomore year, he played JV that, you know, he would be the best player that nobody knew about next year. And then he got hurt and kind of the same thing just a year later. And, uh, you know, his arrival has, has been huge for us. He's kind of our emotional leader in the locker room as well. And um, we know that as long as he continues to buy in, guys are going to follow his lead and he will continue to buy in. One of the other guys that really uh, have enjoyed watching uh, Zach Strawberry over these last couple seasons. Kind of what can you say about him and the, you know, the development he's had, you know, as a guy who, you know, had a lot of significant moments as a sophomore, uh, you know, coming into this season. Yeah, he he's the guy who kind of stepped into Brady's role last year um, and did an outstanding job, um, you know, ended up being an all district player for us. Um, you know, he, he can make shots. He's long. He's about 6'4", 6'5". He's lengthy. Um, he's kind of your typical basketball player build, you know, he's long and athletic and, and shoot the ball. Also, um, he does a lot of good things, really versatile defensively, allows us to use him in some different ways, guarding guys on the perimeter. Um, he can guard some guys inside with his length as well. So I know he's worked at it incredibly hard and, um, he's coming off a little bit of illness and sickness. Um, so hopefully he's a little bit more healthy this week and a little refreshed and can help us get, get on the right track. And those are, you know, a couple of the guys. Who, who are some of the other guys, be it starters, you know, off-the-bench guys, uh, so on and so forth? Who are some of those other guys that are, you know, some of the uh, more uh, in, in names to know for the, for the fans out there? You know, Bryce Rogo is another guy that's been around. Um, started last year for us, played a little bit as a sophomore as well. Um, he, he's still starting for us and, and doing really good things. I think he might be our second or third leading scorer. I'm not sure. We're pretty balanced scoring-wise. Um, I think Brady's our leader. And then after that, um, Zach, who you mentioned, Bryce and Isaac Garcia are all pretty close to about nine to 12 points a game. Not sure where they're all at now after this weekend, but um, Isaac's our point guard, same starting point guard as last year, handles the ball for us. You know, he's the reason we don't turn the ball over very much because of his ability to handle the ball and split double teams and full court presses. You know, nine times out of 10, our press breakers get it to Isaac and get out of the way. Um, and he figures it out from there and does a great job getting us in our offense. So, you know, these last couple of weeks, you know, we're really going to lean on those three seniors, Brady, Bryce, and Zach, or I'm sorry, Brady, Bryce, and Isaac to step up and leave it all out there. They got a couple more weeks left in their career, and hopefully we can make the most of it for them. As much as I'm sure you would love to have uh, Braden uh, Rogo out there, of course, getting ready for, you know, playing football at the next level, how much yeah. easier is it to just communicate with uh, Bryce knowing you don't have to remember which is which and you just know that it's <laughs> Bryce all the time now? Yeah, well, the nice thing is is that they have numbers in the basketball game, so I can always just look at their number and know who's who. Um, you know, but I remember when they were in junior high, I'd have to, you know, I, I called them by whatever number they were wearing for the longest period of time because I would always mix them up, but um, you know, over the last few years, we've, you know, they're their own person and they got their own nuances and their own little quirks. And, uh, you know, we've, we figured out who's who and find, found, found some ways to tell apart a little bit easier, but, um, brains is a great kid. We wish him well. And I know he's at Akron excited to, to get started with spring football. And, um, he was at our games this weekend supporting us still. And, um, he, he's been a big part of all this still, even though he hasn't been on the roster. So we wish him the absolute best. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. WFOB talking with Tiffin Columbian head boys basketball coach Travis Cannon. On Friday, you guys get set to take on Norwalk. So what have been uh, some of the things you've uh, kind of seen from them on film and uh, getting ready for them this time around? Uh, they're big and physical. Um, you know, a lot of the same things that we've seen from them in the past. 
They're a very good rebounding team. They're a very good defensive team. Um, they they make timely threes, which I think is important to try to limit as much as possible. Um, you know, and they're just really well disciplined. They don't they don't beat themselves very often. Um, at times they can struggle to score the ball. So hopefully Friday will be one of those times for our sake. Um, they're a really well rounded team, and they compete at a really high level. So we go to Anthony Wayne tomorrow night, and then we're back at home on Friday. So hopefully we'll have enough gas left in the tank for Norwalk on Friday night. And just overall, what's kind of the message to the team, the fan base, you know, heading into this uh, latter part of the season as you look to, you know, sort of right the ship as you look to end the end the regular season on the right note? Um, I think it's been the, the same thing from from day one, you know, just try to be one and know each night. And I think we have enough talents to, to beat about any team on our schedule. But, you know, we're also capable of losing any team on our schedule, which we've had to find out the hard way here the last three, four weeks. So, um the guys are still incredibly bought in. They're they're a great group of kids, and I think that speaks volumes of them and their parents and how they were raised. Um, you know, the the mood in the locker room Saturday was was very distraught, but you know, I think that shows that how much the guys care, and it, it was in a positive way. So um, we'll 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 keep working at it. We're not going to quit, and I know the guys won't quit either. And um, we'll try to find a way to get one in the left hand column. This has been Tevin Colombian head boys basketball coach Travis Kinn. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us and good luck throughout the rest of the season. All right. Thank you. I appreciate it. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll talk with Arcadia head boys basketball coach Jordan Benson here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios. The Northwestern Water and Sewer District has two watersheds in Fostoria to get pure water at a low price. Our original watershed is located off of Plaza Drive, and our second location is found near 4th and Finley Streets. If you don't like the taste of well water, try watershed water. Bring your containers and fill up for only a quarter a gallon. Try watershed water today. For more info, go to nwwsd.org. Winter, that means snow, ice, and treacherous traveling. Make sure you have a dependable ride. Deals are happening daily at Warner Economy Corner at the corner of Blanchard and Blanchard. Talk to the guys at Warner Economy Corner and they'll set you up with a quality used vehicle at a great deal. Dependability, smiles, deals, and great customer service are waiting for you at Warner Economy Corner. Deals on wheels happen every day, Monday through Saturday. Welcome back on into this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB. Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI. Lance Morris, Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. We're now pleased to be joined by Arcadia head boys basketball coach Jordan Benson here in the Fricker Zoom room. Coach, how you doing? Good, guys. How you doing? We're doing pretty good. Thank you again for uh, taking the time to talk with us. Always uh, appreciate getting to catch up with you. Yep, no problem. Happy to be on. So for you, what was it like uh, kind of getting things ready uh, overall for you uh, for this season this time around? Yeah, a little bit different uh, from year one to year two. Um, one of the things uh, we've discussed, and it's kind of well-known in the community, is um, we lost seven kids off of last year's basketball team. Um, and so, you know, for a small D4 school, that hurts us. And I think for any size school, actually losing seven kids year over year um, would hurt about anybody. But, uh, you know, so we knew there might be a little bit of addition by subtraction. I uh, had to make sure we had the right kids, you know, bought into our program, what we're trying to do. Um, and I started with having kids that wanted to be here, wanted to buy in what we wanted to do. Um, and, and then to approach practice, 
uh, with the tenacity that we need to and to compete day in, day out. And um, that was kind of our approach from day one is compete with urgency at practice and we will uh, take care of business moving forward. And coach talking about that uh, transition and, you know, change of the guard as we're having seven kids move on from last year's team. Uh, look, looking at this season, I know there's still some, a decent bit of games left, but looking at this season as a whole thus far, how do you feel that development has gone <clears throat> trying to replace those players and with some of the younger guys you have on your roster this year? Yeah, and it, it's it took its toll early, um, but we got better and better as the years progressed. And we really feel like after the Liberty Benton game on a, on January 12th that we felt um, like things were starting to click a little bit for us. You know, we lose by 25 points, but we competed really hard. And, you know, since, you know, the youth hurt us, the youth hurt us a lot uh, moving forward again uh, to start the season. But as the year progressed, you know, our turnovers go down, our steals go up, uh, our games get a lot closer, and we're competing. And just kind of – some of those freshmen and sophomores that had big roles last year, now that have bigger roles because of vacated spots, um, it was just learning, learning the game and learning how to be those leaders and learning how to having to carry a bigger role. But as the years progress, like I said, it's been it's been fun to watch these kids grow up and mature. Talking with Arcadia head boys basketball coach Jordan Benson <laughs> here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios, as you kind of mentioned with you know having lost seven kids from last season, you know heading into this season, what have been you know those biggest overall differences for you uh, so far in year two uh, compared to year one? Oh yeah. It's the biggest thing is the closeness of this group um, and how they, how they attack practice. Um, you know, we don't want to speak ill or speak about, you know, years past, but this group really bought into what we're trying to do. And as the season has progressed and they bought in more and more what we're trying to do and attack practice the way it should be, because everything starts with practice with youth is that we got to get volumes of practice in. And, uh, yeah, so the, the kids have progressed really nicely. Um, kudos to them. The big difference is just, like I said, practice. They approach practice with the respect that it that it needs and are buying into what we're trying to do. And when you look at that practice, one of the things that got to imagine has changed a little bit from year one to year two as well has been the change in the rules, according to the OHSAA, with the change in foul shots going from over the course of the half to be in a per quarter basis. Uh, has that adjusted your guys's game plan as much as it seems like it's adjusted everyone else's? What, what are your takeaways on that particular uh, rule change that the OHSAA yeah. implemented? D do you feel it's a good thing, a bad thing, indifferent? Where, where do you stand on it? I'm indifferent on it. Um, I mean, obviously we try to use it to our advantage. Um, we, we tell our kids, obviously, hey, we try to get downhill as much as we can to get to that free throw line as quick as possible, because like I said, you're shooting two instead of one-on-ones now. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's had minimal impact on the game. That's just me. But like I said, some coaches may be different. I'm indifferent on it. I think there's good and bads to it. Um, but yeah, it's the only thing we really talked about the kids was, Hey, is that we just got to take it to our advantage. So we didn't necessarily think there's a negative, you know, aspect to it was just, hey, let's try to do the positive to it. Let's put some pressure on some people and get to the free throw line more, which we have dramatically from year over year. Talking with Arcadia Head Boys basketball coach Jordan Benson here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Classic hits 96.7 WBVI, ESPN 1430 AM 105.7 FM. 
WFOB. You mentioned, you know, the LB game was kind of when you thought things, you know, started to click for your team. As we start to get near the end of the regular season, we'll have, you know, brackets coming up, but have those get unveiled over this now coming weekend. What What is that overall feeling you have, you know, with the team, with the, with the, the program, as you start to get closer to the end of the regular season? Yeah, and we – so we have been – approaching we, we've been saying every game has been our super bowl like that's we kind of made that switch after the lb game because we competed very well in the second half and we just kind of we just kind of told the kids every single game is our super bowl from moving forward our goal this year was to compete in practice and compete in games and i feel like we were doing those two things since the liberty benton game you know we went and over to seneca east and banged around seneca east a very good division four school that we had our chances in that game and you start going down the line of list stuff um, the games we played since Liberty Bat and, and we've been competitive. We've battled with some really, really good teams. We had our chances chances with those teams. So we tried to create those tournament-like environments by trying to put that pressure on the kids. We're like, hey, this is your Super Bowl. Let's treat it like Super Bowl. Let's, let's treat it as such. Um, and moving into the postseason, I told the kids, I think we're one of the better six and 13 teams uh, in Division Four. I think we are quietly playing our really, really, really good basketball over the last you know three or four weeks. Um, and we're going to take whoever we get drawn and seating, and we are going to approach it like it's our Super Bowl, and we will prepare, and we will prepare and practice, and we'll let the ball go out uh, and decide the outcome. It certainly does seem like you guys are starting to peak at the right time as look at your last two games, a big win against Van Luno, big win against Macomb. Anything in particular in those two games really stood out to you as to like maybe, okay, we're really starting to peak. The team really seems to be gaining it. Or was that just two very good games for you guys and just kind of leave it at that? No. So you kind of hit the nail on the head with a good question. Uh, something that we reiterated and we made sure the kids took credit for and, and that they knew about that this was the growth. This is this is right here. This is the stamp that, hey, we're growing and maturing. We're understanding it. So actually in that Macomb game, we went 58 to 43. So we were down 22 to 16 and a half. We shot 18% from the field in the first quarter and then 22% from the field in the second quarter. And we were getting wide open looks. We just weren't making them. Our execution was well. And we go into the halftime. I think the kids were expecting a little bit of a ticked off coach. But I walk in, I was like, hey, we're good. We're in a good spot. We're fine. That lid's got to come off eventually, gentlemen. Like, it's got to come off. We're getting good shots. We're, getting, we're executing well. We're playing great defense. We just got to make a shot. And then, believe it or not, we were actually down 13. It was 31 to 18 with four minutes to go in the third quarter. And then we finished the game on, like, it was like a 37 to 12 run. Like, and what the difference was, was that we started making shots. Our defense was still there the entire time. We made shots. We went on, like, three really big runs. Um, and then our, then, our, then our defense, the beautiful thing about that was we never complained about missing shots. We just kept guarding and just kept guarding possession at possession. And trying to string together a stop with the point with with the bucket, and then, like I said, we ended up winning the game by 15 points. Um, and, and we made sure the kids knew after the game, like that's maturity, that's understanding that our defense, if we compete day in day out, that our defense we can hang our hat on, and that's going to allow us to be competitive in games. You know, some nights we're not going to make shots, some nights we will. Tonight we didn't make shots until the last uh, 12 minutes of gameplay, and that was just enough for us to win the game by 15 points. So. Um, yeah, so that, like I said, that, that Macomb game was a hit, big maturity uh, statement win by, by my kids. 
Another guy that's been a uh, key player for you, uh, Isaac Stoner, scoring you know right around 15 points a game or so as a sophomore, and you know he he was a guy who was kind of you know forced into a starting role last season as well as a freshman. So what have been kind of the differences you've seen you know from him compared to compared to what you saw last year? Yeah, so there's 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 a there's a list of things, but you know he's more physical this year. He he played football uh, this past season, which I think reaped huge benefits for him. Um, he's a kid that is always working at every sport he plays. He works really hard and he wants to be the best. Um, so, you know, he, he really attacked the weight room hard this summer. Um, and he came, he came to basketball a lot more, uh, physical. Um, but his thing is though, man, he has improved dramatically. He deserves a lot of the credit that should be coming his way. Um, you know, he, he's actually gone the last two games without, a single turnover, you know, where last year he had 113 some turnovers. So he just went back to back games with zero turnovers and he had a combined total of 11 steals in those two games. Um, but like he, he has just put in a tremendous amount of work. Um, I can't say enough good things about him. It's going to be interesting. Um, you know, this year he was in a leadership role as a sophomore. He doesn't necessarily feel like the world, the weight of the world's on his shoulder last year where he was kind of thrown to the fire. Uh, this year he's been extremely coachable over the summer into this year and really taking some criticism and really taking some hard-nosed coaching by me. And instead of tucking his tail and running away, he tacks it head on. Um, it's going to be interesting here in the next few weeks to see where our, where our league puts him. Uh, I think he's well-deserving of a, of a first-team all-BBC. I think he's one of the top six players in our league. I don't care if he's a sophomore or not. Um, he's leading our league in three-point field goals made. He's fourth in scoring. He's first in free-throw percentage at 84%. He's first in three-point field goals made at 55. He's first in the league at, with assists, and he's first in the league in steals. So a kid that hopefully we do the right thing here in the upcoming weeks that we put him on the first team, but we'll see how our league votes. <laughs> well, the stat line like that, even though I don't have a vote, I can tell you where my vote goes on that <laughs> one there, Coach. Uh, my goodness. I, you, you mentioned mentioned the development, the growth that he's had. It, this is kind of a youth revolt here mm -hmm. on your on your team this year so what are some of the other young guys that have really stood out to you so far as their growth and development have really started to hit their peak as this season has gone on yeah so as, as it's not a secret we start one senior we start one junior um and then the rest are sophomores and then one freshman sorry so two sophomores and one freshman um and it's, it's a little bit easier for our freshman this year jacoby ellis um you know he, he's a little bit thrown to the fire but he gets the lucky assignment of he's leading our team in rebounds for a game, but he gets the lucky assignment of usually he gets the other team's best player. Uh, and, the, and as a freshman, we, we made sure to note uh, some of his maturity that we've seen in the last couple, couple of games um, where the kid just battles. The kid just plays hard. He's, he's a, he's a coach's dream. He doesn't ever talk back. He takes whatever assignments put in front of him and he just goes out and, and, and plays. Um, so he, he's one that I like to highlight. Uh, and then obviously junior uh, Owen Raider. Uh, he's our second leading scorer uh, and second leading rebounder on our team. Um, I know he's not necessarily youthful, but but um, yeah, he he he's done well in a role that had to be expanded this year. So very proud of him in that aspect. Um, I, I only start. I only play six guys. So um, obviously I got Cohen Harris, my senior. Very proud of him this year. He he's developed into uh, our third leading scorer. Um, then we got Lamar and Tucker, who is uh, he's one of our best. Uh, I say best passes on our team, but he also has 55 turnovers. But he's second in our in our team with assists at 56. Uh, and then Owen Green, 
uh, sophomore. He just had his best game against Van Lu on Friday night with 19 points and uh, six or seven rebounds. I forget what it was in a few blocks. So um, proud of these young guys. Um, you know, we joke around and we don't keep it a secret. We, we kind of let people know it's a good thing to get us this year because we think next year's on the cusp of some really, really good uh, results in terms of wins and losses. Talking with Arcadia head boys basketball coach Jordan Benson here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Frickers Studios. And looking ahead to Saturday, you guys will take on North Baltimore and, you know, a team that has had their own share of struggles over these uh, last couple of seasons. So what are some of the things you've uh, seen from them and getting ready for that one? Yeah, so we've been watching some film on them. We try not to watch them in advance too much, but uh, with these guys, just because our schedule's only been one game, uh, per week here, last couple of weeks, we've had a little bit more time to scout and prepare in advance. But, um, but yeah, watching them so far in the last couple of games where they've had their most success is actually picking up people full court and making people play fast. Um, so we got to be make sure we prepare for that and be aware of that, which we will in practice. Is that you know, we feel like if we can guard them in a half court set, sit down and do what we're supposed to do, talk, communicate, and you know, hopefully we can take care of business. But on the flip side of that, if we bow to their pressure that has, you know, they were down, they were down uh, it was like eight or 10 points or three minutes ago in the third quarter in the, in the Ada game and they end up winning 57 to 50 um, due to their pressure and picking up the, picking up the, the pace of the game. So, so we know that's one of their strengths. Uh, we will take time and practice this week to prepare for that. Um, and yeah, we just got to sit down and guard them. And mentioning the uh, defensive side, it's something that really seems to be picking up steam for your team as the back half of the season goes on. A, a particular non-billboard or strategy revealing ideas that you may have to slow down that offense in particular Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, I can't tip my hat too much just in case North Baltimore does listen to this. But uh, I mean, we, we do have some fans there, so it might be a good idea to keep it close to the vest. But no, no. In general, it's, it's no secret though. It's defense. Yeah, I mean, I could you get slapped on a billboard or not. Our secret is if we can if we can guard you. Hopefully, you know that's that's what we want to hang our hat on. You know, that's our goal. Whether no matter who we play, North Baltimore. Or, Liberty Benton or Hope Allowed, whoever we play, our goal is to defend and compete. Um, so that's the same game in, game out. And then, of course, uh, this coming weekend, uh, brackets will be released for uh, for the boys for postseason. And what's kind of the outlook on that? Obviously, you don't know exactly who or what you're going to be you're going to be playing at, at this point in time. But you know, as the postseason you know starts to you know become closer and closer, what are the things you're looking at from that end? Yeah, we've been we've been. Um, you know, scouting out in advance a little bit in preparation for some hypothetical, I guess not hypothetical, but hypothetical situations on, on, on opponents that we could play. Um, and our district is tough, you know, uh, very tough. We got some state ranked teams. We have about three of them, or I think four of them now, um, that are in district that are tough. Um, but looking ahead, uh, our record is going to be six and 13. That's what we're going to have to submit because the last game that counts actually is this Friday at midnight. So our record is what it is. We'll submit it right now. We're the eighth spot. We think we've done enough. We told the kids that we had to go over to Van Loo and kind of we told them like we had to win probably by about 20 or 30 points in order for us to jump through Mount St. Joe. And if we don't, we're probably stuck at that ninth seed where that A spot, the way that kind of the bracket unfolds, um, sectionals are hosted obviously at the higher seed this year. Um, and one of my goals is I wanted that eight spot because hopefully maybe we can pick an open bracket where we can go play 
a lower seed and maybe get a sectional semifinal game home because we're, we're a very good basketball team at home. Um, so that's one of our goals is to hopefully maintain this eight spot. Um, and if we do move forward, uh, then we will, we will see where we stand Sunday and make our selection. And looking ahead to the game Saturday, home game for you guys. Great venue there at Arcadia to play in. What's the message for the team and the fans going into it that you want to get out to everybody before tip off? Yeah, that this is again, this is another week, another Super Bowl for us. You know, just, huh, ironically enough, it's just Super Bowl weekend, but no, this is our Super Bowl. Um, and, and something that um, they need to know is that we will treat it as such and that we will go out there, show up, and battle, uh, play hard. And um, that's our goal. This has been Arcadia Head Boys basketball coach Jordan Benchin. Coach, thank you once again for taking the time to talk with us and good luck throughout the rest of the season. Thanks, guys. With that, we'll step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll get ready for the Super Bowl coming up this Sunday here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Hi, this is Dawn from the Classic Hits Morning Show, and I've just heard that not all roofs are created equal. Is that true? That is true, Dawn. It's solely dependent on the people installing it. Hi, folks. This is Matt from MJ Brown Roofing Construction Company in Tiffin, Ohio. We're a family-owned company that's been in business since 1936. We're a full-service roofing contractor that have been working on both residential and commercial roofs. So no matter what type of roof you want, we have the expertise and the crews needed to install and maintain your roof for years to come. Call 419-447-5864 for a free, no-obligation inspection and quote today. For over 100 years, iron workers have been building America. Do you have what it takes to be an iron worker? Do you like to work with your hands? Do you like to be creative and solve problems? Do you like to be outdoors and don't mind getting dirty? With starting pay of $18 an hour and with medical and retirement benefits, there are iron worker jobs available in Northwest Ohio. To take your career to new heights, call the Iron Workers Local 55 Training Center at 419-382-3080 and build a better future. Back we are here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM, WFOB Classic Hits 96.7 WBVI Landsports. Matt Common here with you this Wednesday night. Big thanks to Finley Hockey Coach Ben Paney, Colombian Boys Basketball Coach Travis Cannon, Arcadia Boys Basketball Coach Jordan Benson for all joining us today on the show. If you missed any part or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well, and we might not be at the Frickers in Finley, but stop in for their daily specials tonight. Get their sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. You can find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, let's, of course, now get ready for Super Bowl Sunday. Matchup is the Kansas City Chiefs against the San Francisco 49ers. And as much as you call it one of the uh, slower storylines, or heading into this, or slower matchups, rather. There are plenty of storylines because you have Andy Reid and the Pat Mahomes. They look to kind of cement their legacy as kind of the dynasty of the 2020s, which would be their third Super Bowl win over these last six years. Well, the Niners look to win their first Super Bowl since the mid-'90s with a quarterback who was the very last pick in the NFL draft just a few years ago in Brock Purdy. So what are some of the big things you are uh, looking forward to in this one? Oh, well, before we get into the actual like game the, between the two teams, I, I think there's a third story that involves someone that maybe people wouldn't have thought of going into the start of the NFL season that it, I think is monumental. And before anyone asks, I'm not talking about Taylor Swift whatsoever. 
it's actually one of the officials. I, have you seen the story about Terry Killens? I have not, no. Okay, so Terry Killens actually was a player with the Tennessee Titans. He was a linebacker back in their 1999 Super Bowl, the uh, Kevin Dyson one-yard short game. He's actually one of the lead officials for this year's Super Bowl. It's actually the first time in the history of the NFL that someone who played in a Super Bowl is now officiating a Super Bowl. I just think that's kind of a cool story. Like a, that's a that's a cool wrinkle to it. That's one of those where I got to imagine if there's any short yardage situations, he might defer to another official in that moment. But just one of those cool things, one of those like random stories that comes out of Super Bowl week that I just think is very cool and worth mentioning, giving credit where credit's due. Seven-year uh, veteran in the league, played on a Super Bowl appearance team with the Tennessee Titans, now officiating a Super Bowl. I just think that's cool. That's one of those nerd things for me that I find fascinating. Now for the game itself. Yes, I keep referring to this as the boring matchup because it was the predictable matchup. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are part of the Kansas City team, they're going to be considered Super Bowl contenders, which is crazy because there were a couple times this year that uh, you know, p- people were saying that it's over for Kansas City, that the 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 dynasty's done, the run is over. Maybe they're human after all. Turns out they're still incredibly unbeatable at times. Hats off to them, whether that's officiating, whether that's just good player, whether it's the fact they just have possibly the next greatest quarterback to ever come through the NFL and Pat Mahomes. That's a discussion for another time. Fact of the matter is they did a lot of things the right way to get to this spot. And a lot of people count them out. I I know some media pundits out there freaking out and getting all upset and complain and bellyaching about the Kansas City Chiefs going into this game as the underdog, but frankly, they they should be the underdog. They really should. I, I think San Francisco this year is a better team. I just, it's one of those experience versus talent types of things. Kansas City has been the six straight AFC title games. This is their fourth Super Bowl in six years. San Francisco, they haven't been back since the 2019-2020 season. Stopped short a couple times in the postseason. It's it's going to be a good game. I only call it a boring game just because I thought on paper there were better matchups to be found between the AFC-NFC title games, between, for example, a Detroit versus Kansas City. So that was the week one matchup, you know, bookending the season with that matchup again. Uh, Baltimore versus San Francisco confirming the uh, the infamous now logo conspiracy theory about Super Bowls and the NFL being scripted. Baltimore-Detroit would have been a fascinating matchup. It's So it's not so much boring as in it's going to be a bad game. It's going to be a great game. It's just, it, for my two cents, I think there could have been some better games out there. Now for the actual game itself, I, I'm expecting it to be a defensive slugfest. Kansas City does not have the offense that they've had in years past. San Francisco, they do have an offense. But I really don't think they have played a defense yet in the postseason that's on par with what this Kansas City defense is doing. I mean, Steve Spagnuolo, hats off to him. He has 
completely turned around this Kansas City defense. You got some all pro play out of guys like Trent McDuffie in the secondary, Javarius Ward. I mean, it's uh, I'm sorry, Javarius Ward's with San Francisco. Ladarius Sneed is Kansas City. Gave some great play out of the secondary, which I think could minimize Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. The X factor is going to be Christian McCaffrey. What you get out of CMC is going to determine whether or not San Francisco is winning this game in any way, shape, or form. Brock Purdy is very good. The Brock Purdy hate that's out there from a lot of media personalities and fans makes no sense to me whatsoever. It, I, I just think it's one of the stupidest non-stories ever that people start getting upset with him or thinking that he's somehow a bad quarterback. He's what? 18 and five so far in his uh, starting career. And people are like, oh, well, he's a bum. He's bad. No, he's good. He, he's good. Is he the MVP? Maybe of check downs. But outside of that, no, he's a very good quarterback. So I, I, I think he's good, but he's not going to win or cost you the game. If Christian McCaffrey can't get it going because Kansas City locks him down, that could cost you the game. So that, that's, that's the matchup I'm looking at. Christian McCaffrey versus this Kansas City front seven in this defense. If he can get going, I really think San Francisco has a good chance of winning this one. But if he can't, you, you cannot let it be a close game going into the fourth quarter. Kansas City will come away with the win then. Can you really call a player who is the favorite to win the offensive player of the year in the league? Can you really call him the X factor? Oh, without question. Without question, you can. Because it with I, I, be, I believe the secondary for Kansas City is going to be able to keep Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk in check. I really do. I, I don't think they're going to have amazing games. They could. I could be totally eating crow next Wednesday on this one, and one of them just goes off like 190 and three scores kind of situation because they're that talented of receivers. I just think defensively, Kansas City is going to have an easier job at handling those two, which then opens it up for guys like George Kittle, but really for Christian McCaffrey coming out of the backfield as that checkdown option. You take away the checkdowns, the checkdown then becomes George Kittle who's a great tight end, one of the three three or four best tight ends in the league. But he's going to be guarded against by Nick Bolt, who's one of the best coverage linebackers in the NFL. So, yes, Christian McCaffrey, favorite to win the Offensive Player of the Year, and very deservingly so. I personally would make an argument for Justin Jefferson that he had 1,000 yards receiving in seven freaking games. Holy God, that's just absurd. But what, what McCaffrey can do in the passing game and in the ground game, you have to be able to stop him on both fronts. That's why for me, yes, you know he's the best player on that team. You know he's their best offensive weapon. That doesn't change the fact he's still the X factor. If you can't get him going in either the passing game or the running game, San Francisco gives themselves a much, much bigger uphill climb. I, I forget the metric. There, there's some statistic that's out there from this season. I believe things if for the games that Christian McCaffrey had less than 25 touches, I believe San Francisco was one in five. So I, I think that might, I believe that's where it was. I believe all five of their losses came in games where he had less than 25 total touches. So that to me, is the testament to how much of an X factor he is, 
even if he is the focal point of that offense. See, another thing that I think is interesting is just the fact and kind of sticking with the Christian McCaffrey theme is, you know, pretty much since he came into the league, it was always, oh, he's really good, but he can't stay healthy. Oh, he's the top pick, you know, in, you know, most fantasy drafts. And it's just the caveat of, of if he can stay healthy. And I know this year he did get banged up at different points, but, you know, still, of course, had a very good year. And it just would be, at least for him, a nice kind of culmination cherry on top to, you know, play as well as he may be able to play in the Super Bowl and come out with the win. And it's like, oh, yeah, if he can stay healthy, here's what you get. Well, yeah, I mean, that's uh, Christian McCaffrey is in that same category, not same talent level. I think Christian McCaffrey talent wise is in a league all of his own out of the players I'm about to mention. So I'm just going to preface it with that. But he he's in that same category as a guy like Todd Gurley where it's like, okay, when they're healthy, my God, who can stop them kind of thing. He's like a Saquon Barkley where when they're healthy, who's going to slow them down? They're just that talented. But then you have that second part of the sentence. They're amazing, but they are very talented, but they can change the game, but they need to be on the field to change the game in that regard. So I'm with you. I mean, him having a healthy, a relatively healthy season, I mean, I think he only missed one or two games for the year. So one of his best years in terms of on-field appearances for that one. I, I think it should end in a high note. It would be nice to see it end in a high note for him with the Good game in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl win, obviously would probably be what they'd prefer even over a good game for himself. But yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Christian McCaffrey, I mean, that's another reason I consider him an X factor. It's he's absolutely dynamic, and maybe at this stage we could finally make the argument that he is a one-of-a-kind type of player in the NFL right now when he's healthy. But if he comes up a little bit hobbly at some point during this game and has to miss like a quarter or two, that's a huge advantage for Kansas City. And that goes back again to why I think he might be the X factor in this game, regardless of team, because if he can stay healthy, I don't know if Kansas City has anyone that can keep up with him as well as covering the rest of the weapons that San Francisco has. But if he's not able to perform at full capacity or full level, if he gets hurt in some capacity during the game, I don't think San Francisco has a, a legitimate backup option to try and make it work. I just don't. This is the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFB Classic, it's 96.7 WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Common here with you. Big thanks to Finley hockey coach Ben Patey, Colombian basketball coach Travis Cannon, Arcadia basketball coach, Jordan Benson for all joining us today on the show, continuing our Super Bowl preview in anticipation for Sunday. And another storyline to look at as we kind of stick with the uh, Niners side of things for now, Kyle Shanahan, as good a coach as he has been, you know, over the last, you know, decade plus at this point, he's certainly still someone who needs kind of the cherry on top as well in getting a Super Bowl because he was the OC with the Falcons the year of the 28-3 Super Bowl where Tom Brady comes back to win, and he was also the head coach of the Niners last time around when they lost to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl four years ago. So, I mean, not that it's 
discredits what Shanahan can do and has done as a coach, but you know, he he definitely he definitely needs kind of the bona fide edition of having the Super Bowl, you know, kind of help his resume take him over that edge a little bit because he's always one of the guys that's in the conversation, but I don't think until he gets the Super Bowl can he truly start to lead any of those discussions with, you know, top coaches in the league. Oh, well, first of all, using the phrase bona fide is that's I I didn't realize that it was that kind of fancy show on this evening. That was uh I like that. I, I, I like that one. Bona fide. That's I'm gonna have to start working that into my normal uh word usage throughout the day. But you're right. I mean, you really are correct on that one. Kyle Shanahan, I put him in the same category as Matt LaFleur. It's he's an absolutely incredible coach in the regular season until they hit a certain point. I mean, he's, he's great. The system is built perfectly for him. I, I do think a lot of credit also has to go to John Lynch in this regard of helping build this team up around what Kyle Shanahan wanted the team to look like. Have they had some misses? An example, Trey Lance, uh, Javon Kinlaw seems like he might be a bit of a miss for them as well. Sure, but Shanahan has done a lot of good things with this team. I don't give him nearly as much credit for that 28-3 to in Atlanta as everyone else seems to like to give him. He definitely did take his foot off the gas, though, the last time they were in the Super Bowl, when they were up by 10. That is undeniable in that game he did i don't want to necessarily say cost them the game but he did not do them any favors in that fourth quarter in terms of his coaching his play calling and what he was deciding to do so i'm with you i think it's i don't want to say it's a do or die situation it's not make or break san francisco is not firing shanahan if they lose this game on sunday his job is about as secure as anyone's could be but I, I would say before we start to have a legitimate conversation about putting him in that top category with guys like Andy Reid, with you know, just to use a recently recently uh, terminated coach, the Andy Reeds, the Bill Belichicks, the Mike Tomlins, the John Harbaugh's over Jim Harbaugh. I know he's your guy, but John oh. Harbaugh has proven it a few times. Um. For him to get into that conversation, I really do feel like he needs to win this Super Bowl. He This is probably the roughest Kansas City team that has been to the Super Bowl during this era that the Chiefs have had. And I, I think this might, this might be the most beatable Kansas City team that has made it to the Super Bowl. And I understand Tampa Bay did beat them in 2020. I think that was just a matchup mismatch for them and Tampa had finally figured it out at that point it wasn't so much Kansas City was a bad team Tampa just absolutely figured out how to put them in in place and frankly they had Tom Brady it's it really can help things out dramatically when you have Tom Brady under center for you but in terms of teams that have made it to the Super Bowl for Kansas City this is definitely the weakest team Shanahan needs this win on Sunday to really cement himself in San Francisco and frankly, like you said, put himself into that top three or four coaches in the league category. So yeah, he's got a little bit more riding on this than Andy Reid does. Andy Reid, this is more legacy building and cementing for Shanahan. This is putting himself finally in the conversation and staying there 
as one of the premier coaches. And then on the flip side, let's talk a little bit more about the Kansas City Chiefs side. At some point, you have to just acknowledge, and I know there's this, this is not including you, I'm just speaking in generalities, that most of the people out there, it's like, oh, yeah, they'll beat the Dolphins, but there's no way they're beating the Bills. Then they beat the Bills. Then they get set to play the Ravens. Oh, there's no way they're beating the Ravens. Then they go ahead and beat the Ravens. And there are still those same people that are like, they're not going to beat the Niners. And it's like, well, based on what they've done so far, I don't have a reason to doubt the Chiefs, even if, like you said, this might be one of the weaker Chief teams that has made the Super Bowl. This is also the same team that has just kept on winning as far as the postseason and, you know, haven't done anything, you know, super duper spectacular. Cause like we've said, you know, it's not the same chiefs offense as we've seen in years past, but even so I'm not going to doubt them at this point. And it's just as simple as they just keep winning. And until I see a reason to doubt them, I'm not going to doubt them at this point. Uh, so I'm glad that you said not including me because I, I feel like I've been pretty fair about Kansas City throughout this postseason. But the, the way I view it is simple. I, ha- I just have a few follow-up questions for you. Very simple yes or no questions. Sure. Are you ready for them? Absolutely. Did Andy Reid wake up this morning with a pulse? Yes. Does Patrick Mahomes still have both of his arms? As far as I know, Yes. Travis Kelsey hasn't retired and run for mayor of Cleveland Heights yet, has he? And he has not resigned to become the president of the Taylor Swift fan club yet either, no. Okay, then Kansas City has a chance in this game. It's as simple as that. It's As, as long as those three things are still true, it doesn't matter the situation. You cannot discredit Kansas City. You cannot count them out. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, my God, you can go back to the year that they did win it when he was down 21 against Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans, and put up 35 unanswered points in a quarter. A quarter. They were getting demolished. And Pat Mahomes was like, no big deal, and just slung five touchdown passes. I mean, it's you, you, you can't count them out at any point as long as they are healthy as long as Andy Reid is still orchestrating that offense as long as Patrick Mahomes is the one under center and as much as I I I have a very strange love-hate relationship with Travis Kelsey I really do as a Clevelander and as just a fan of the game I love him he's so much fun to watch right like he's just really fun to watch I don't understand how he's open all the time and it (laughs) bothers me because he runs two routes. It's a seven yard hitch and a 10 yard post. He doesn't do anything else. You could just put a linebacker at eight yards downfield in the middle of the sec, the defense and put a safety 12 yards downfield in the middle. And you have completely covered all two of Travis Kelsey's routes in that offense. But he somehow gets open. And it bothers me. Because <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. It shouldn't work as well as it does, but it does. So as long as those guys are still in it, as long as they still have the offense that they're orchestrating, as long as everything's going the way it should, no, you can't count Kansas City out. And the people who have been doing that, I think they're nuts. I really do. It's 
you, you don't you don't discredit a defending Super Bowl champion while they're still in the postseason. If you want to call them frauds after they lose, sh- sure, why not? I would disagree with that argument, but you have a valid point at that stage. But yes, the fact that Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, and Travis Kelsey are all alive, well, and seem to be healthy, they have a chance in this game. Simple as that. Now let's talk a couple uh, interesting prop bets that are out there, and this is by no means the entire list is just some of the ones that I found, uh, you know, at least slightly interesting. How On many... a side note, we do not condone gambling here. But it is legal, so. But since it is legal, we're doing this thing. Anyone under 18, just start playing loud noises in your ears while we talk about this. How many times will Taylor Swift be shown? The over-under is at four and a half, and over is favored at minus 175. Four and a half. They're always saying four and a half times. At least at least the last line I saw, yeah. If, if the over-under is four and a half times, take the over, but understand you're not winning money. You're just not. That, that four and a half times. They may hit four and a half times by the national anthem the way they do it. And on a side note, I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan in the world. I don't pretend to be by any means. Having said that, everybody get off your high horse about the NFL showing Taylor Swift and cutting the Taylor Swift. They did this with Kurt Warner's wife. They've done this with other celebrities that have been involved in the game over the years. Stop pretending that it's this shocking, terrible thing. She has millions upon millions of fans, maybe one of the most influential people on the planet. Of course they're going to show her. They'd be morons if they didn't. Having said that, take the over. Are are you saying that uh, some of these NFL fans out there have bad blood? All I'm saying is that these fans that are out there, I'm pretty sure they're the ones that when they come to the party, I knew they were trouble when they walked in. Are you proud of yourself? Yeah, I'll shake that one off. It's okay. I guess I have to be the anti-hero and just keep going. There we go. That was a good little bit for us there. That was fun. <laughs> I liked that. Sticking with the uh, singers, Drake curse, because naturally there's the curse out there that whatever team he wears will not win the Super Bowl. He is favored to be wearing Chiefs gear at minus 175. Ooh. Now, see, this one's a bit of a a loaded situation because I do think Drake does have a bit of history with some of the Kansas City players, so that might be more just a personal connection as opposed to him being a uh, trophy chaser like he usually is. Right. Uh, I'd take Chiefs in that prop bet. I do think, because if I'm recalling correct, I actually do think he's pretty good friends with Travis Kelsey and Pat Mahomes. So I I think that'll, I think he'll end up repping them in the game. But don't be surprised if San Francisco wins in the postgame celebrations. We see him on the field and he's somehow all in 49ers and Joe Montana gear out of nowhere. But I'm going to, I'd put my money down on Kansas City for that bet. How many times will they show Roger Goodell over under is set at just one and a half? Uh, I'll give them the over, but I also think they may mistakenly show him or think that they're showing him when they just show someone like in a Darth Vader outfit or 
some type of villainous entity being shown on screen, then they'll be like, oh, look, it's Roger Goodell. But I'll take the over. You know you're going to see him at least once at the end of the game with the trophy celebration. Right. So it's really just a matter of during one of those commercial breaks when they come back as they cut to famous people at the game, if they show him during one of those. So I, I would take the over. I think that's a safe bet. Will there be a Scorigami? Yes, is plus 2,500. And in case you don't know, Scorigami means it's a score that has never happened in another NFL game. So there's obviously like 14 to 7, you know, 7 to 10. Like th- those are scores that happen, you know, fairly typically. Scorigami means a score that has never happened. Uh, It's possible. Um, Two good defenses. You got some good, good offensive play overall. And both teams had pretty consistent special teams play. So the chance is there. I mean, really, the wild card comes in if either team can get a safety. Right. If you can get a safety, you're off to the races in terms of score Gami. So we'll see. Uh, both teams defensively have the players in place in terms of like pass rush and all that where you could get a safety. But uh, I, I'd probably put a few dollars on that plus 2,500 just because that'd be a really good payout, but we'll see it again. If someone gets a safety, then you're cooking with oil in terms of going for a score gummy. And then my favorite two, I would say is there's will a kicker have a doink as it hits off of one of the field goal bars. No is minus 700. Yes is plus 1600. I feel like that's a good one to just throw out there because especially with, the Niners having a rookie kicker, you never really know. So I think that's a good one to just throw a buck or two on. And then uh, what color will the Gatorade be that is for Florida on the winning coach? Favorite is purple at plus 185. I don't know why that is of all things the favorite. Water is uh, plus 900 in that. Well, that's because Gatorade Frost is one of the greatest flavors of all time. It's as simple as that. And it's it's... It's ga- it's Gatorade for us time to finally be the Super Bowl Gatorade of choice. So I'm actually going with that one. I am putting money on the fact that it's purple. I'm very confident on that and excited about it. With that, as we'll go- for the, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just I was just gonna close. If you have anything else to add, well, I was just gonna say as for the uh, the doink situation, it could happen. That right, thing, exactly, that could happen. That might help the scoregami if you get a doink as well. So, uh, you know what? Throw your money down however you see fit, and I'm going to close out my bit here with, uh, if I were to put a prediction down, I'm going to say San Francisco 27-24. With that, we'll go ahead and step aside for a quick timeout. When we come back, talk about a few other things in sports and wrap things up here on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Looking for a job with a great company? Ropey Corporation has several positions available. They have general labor positions with a starting pay of $19.41 an hour with a raise after 90 days. There are currently second and third shift positions open. To apply, go to ropey.com and find career opportunities under the company tab. Come work for one of Northwest Ohio's best companies, privately held and family driven. 
NWO has news. We are excited to announce the newest addition to the NWO family. Dr. Ryan Tran is a local who was raised in the area, trained by the Cleveland Clinic, and has returned to his hometown to care for your whole family, just like he does his own. Dr. Tran is now accepting new patients of all ages in our Tiffin office. Make your appointment today to experience the benefits of family care by a hometown professional. There's only one place to go, NWO. Back we are on the NWO Orthopedics Sports Auto from the Fricker Studios, ESPN 1430 AM, 105.7 FM. WFOB Classic Hits 96.7, WBVI Lance Morris. Matt Calvin here with you. Big thanks to Finley hockey coach Ben Patey, Colombian basketball coach Travis Ken, and Arcadia Boys basketball coach Jordan Benson. If you miss any part of our show today or just want to hear it again, head over to WFOB.com, click on the podcast page. You can hear today's show and our shows and interviews from past seasons as well. And stop by the Frickers in Finley for their daily specials. Thank you at the sirloin steak dinner. Kids eat free all day, every day at Frickers. Download the Frickers app to see more and to place an order. Find them online at Frickers.com. And Matt, a few things to talk about in the world of sports. Last Thursday, the Orioles made a big move, sending away some prospects for former Cy Young Award winner Corbin Burns. And certainly looks like even with the bevy of prospects the Orioles still have, even with that trade, they are definitely uh, kind of shifting that they are heading towards a win-now mode mindset. Oh, well, I mean, almost an 100-win season. Did they actually hit 100 wins, or were they close? Uh, I think they did did hit 100 if I'm remembering right. I thought they may have broken the 100 win mark. Look, I mean, at this stage, you gotta... I can't believe I'm saying this sentence out loud. Baltimore Orioles seem to be in a win-now mode. I never thought I'd say that sentence publicly, but (laughs) I guess here we are. I think it's a good trade. I really do, and uh, honestly, they're able to get an elite pitcher, someone to really help solidify that rotation for them going forward, and they didn't have to necessarily empty the well of prospects because they are still loaded in their farm system. I mean, my God, between them, Tampa Bay and Arizona, those are just three teams that are really starting to get built to last long-term here with their farm systems. And they did end up hitting uh, 101 wins in the regular season. So there we go. See, they did hit 100. (laughs) Sticking in the baseball world, Jose Altuve, a big extension to stay with the Astros. Is he a guy that you think uh, when his career is all said and done, he becomes a Hall of Famer at some point? I hope so. Um, I I think in terms of the pantheon of Houston Astros players, he's right up there with Jeff Bagwell and Craig Biggio. He really is. It's So, I mean, it's – oh, wait, what'd you say? I just said bags for Bagwell. Good old bagpipes, man. I mean, it's I, I, he's up there. I, I think you look at this current era of Houston Astro baseball and say what you will about 2017. It, it's been said ad nauseum at this point, but my thought process is it's seven years later and they're still contending for World Series. And they've made the World Series, what, three more times since 2017? It's at at some point, yes, the commentary about the 2017 season is fair and valid. We also need to address the fact they are just a great team. And it is probably as close to a Major League Baseball dynasty as we've seen in a while. And Jose Altuve has been a huge part of that. So good extension for him. I think it's smart that Houston tries to get where he'll play his whole career with them. And yeah, for for my two cents, I, I would vote for him for the Hall of Fame, but I'd also vote for Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, Roger Clemens, and all those guys. So 
I, I don't fit the standard uptight, holier than thou, our crap doesn't stink uh, baseball beat writers that currently vote for the Hall of Fame that they do have nowadays. Clayton Kershaw just turned 30. He actually didn't turn 30. That's a whole clip that I would send to everybody on their birthday. But he did uh, re-sign with the Dodgers and, you know, talking, you know, things that are kind of weird to say. He's probably going to be like their third or fourth starter, depending on, you know, how the rotation ends up shaking out. We know Shohei won't pitch this year, but we know they signed Yamamoto. They traded for Tyler Glass now. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see exactly where he falls in their rotation. And, I mean, that's that's another thing that's just crazy to say with uh, a guy who's had the career Clayton Kershaw has. Now, I'm going to say this real quick about the L.A. Dodgers. It must be nice to play Major League Baseball like it's triple play 1998 and you have trade mode set to easy for like all the moves that they've made or like turn off salary cap or anything like that. It's just, it's ridiculous the talent level they have on that Dodger squad, but I'm happy for them. I, I really am. If anyone's going to be a Dodger for life kind of situation, I feel Clayton Kershaw should be in that conversation. So whether this is last hurrah, whether it's you know starting to wind down, that remains to be seen. But yeah, I'm I'm glad. I, it would have been weird seeing him in another uniform. It just would have. It, it'd been like seeing Emmett Smith as a Cardinal. It just it didn't make sense then. Doesn't make sense now. I'm I'm happy to see that Kershaw staying with the Dodgers. Another big baseball deal. Bobby Witt signs a big deal to stay with the Royals. An 11 year extension for the young guy who's now been up a few years and. It's not too often, you know, a smaller market team like the Royals, you know, shells out this kind of money for uh, one of their big name stars. Yeah, but you kind of had to. You know what I mean? We're 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 in this era of baseball now where I think every team is. I I don't want to say fiduciarily required, but it feels that way that they have to throw big money down on their current iteration of a once in a generation prospect. And Bobby Witt certainly falls under that category. Now it's it's worked out for some teams over the years. It's kind of burned them at points to other teams in the past. But Bob, Bobby Witt seems like he he seems like a player that could be very steady for them for years to come. So again, for my two cents, would I give a guy an 11 year contract? No. That's just because it doesn't seem to work out once he gets to years 8, 9 and 10. But for my two cents, he's certainly worthy of the extension and it's it's a good thing for Kansas City. You get to keep your star for basically the vast majority of his career, if not the entirety of his career at this point. And that, that that's good for Kansas City. They could use a little bit more consistency in that department. And then in the NBA, Joel Embiid out for at least a month, if not longer, after a knee procedure. And that uh, certainly looks to uh, shift things up in terms of the uh, top few teams in the Eastern Conference. Well, there's only one team in the Eastern Conference worth talking about, and that's my 15 and one Cleveland Cavaliers, baby. 15 and one over the last 16 games. You didn't realize how absurd that is. That's incredible. That is amazing for Cleveland and move into the number two spot overall and have very much cemented themselves in the conversation for title contender. But to go to the 76ers and Joel Embiid. Uh, honestly, this is an insult to the Sixers and Embiid. The fact that he had to play hurt led to this game aggravated in the manner that it did to require a surgery. This whole just nonsense that the NBA is trying to pull, I get it to an extent. 
you're a star-powered platform, star-powered organization. You want the stars to show up in those games. But putting these arbitrary, just BS, oh, you have to play in 68 games to qualify for any awards. Okay, well, that didn't stop you guys with Zion Williamson from giving him rookie of the year, and I think he played 18 minutes his rookie season kind of thing. It's not stopping you from having Chet Holmgren be in the conversation this year, but he missed the whole season, and he's been in and out at different nights with injury. It's it's such an arbitrary BS rule that makes the NBA seem comical until it's not. Now it's not comical. One of, if not the best player in the NBA with Joel Embiid this season, not overall, not of all time or anything like that, this season would have been the favorite for MVP. Totally not going to be eligible now because of this nonsense. It's 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 the stupid ticky-tack nonsense like that that makes the NBA feel like a not serious organization. It's It's the same type of backwards thinking that for 25 years Roger Maris had an asterisk next to his name for 61 home runs because we don't want to hurt the integrity of the game no you just don't want people to win it that you don't feel should win it that's all it is you're just being difficult Joel Embiid is not really played by the NBA's rules that often in terms of like saying all the right things or saying what they want to say magically the year he's the favorite and front runner for it they put in this nonsense, and Joel Embiid has a history of injuries. Just just admit you don't want him to win the MVP. Just admit it. We'll all understand. We don't agree, but we'll all understand. But in terms of that, I, I think it's nonsense, and in terms of how it shakes up the Eastern Conference, I mean, you're already seeing it. Philadelphia went from number two to what, number four? Just in the week and a half since Embiid's injury, so there, there's a good possibility Philadelphia may really tumble here and put themselves in a very difficult position come postseason time because it's much to everyone's surprise. It's actually kind of right around the corner here for the NBA. What was the thing that was next to uh, Roger Maris's home run record again? Asterisk. Okay. You said asterisk the first time. Well, you know, sometimes I like to be fancy, you know, bona fide and stuff like that. But that, it actually works for the word, whereas it seems you just kind of threw it in to throw it in. It's a possibility. You never can tell with me. I'm a wild card, baby. I go all over the place. But seriously, getting back to the real topic at hand here for the NBA, for Philadelphia, this is big trouble for them. But for the NBA itself, this is why more often than not, I view it as a clown organization when it comes to awards, because they're not legitimate at all. It's the NBA's internal popularity contest. So if it was a genuine award, LeBron would have like nine of them at this stage. And Jokic, as good as he is, probably would not have won a single one yet. It's just the NBA playing favoritism, and it makes it no different than the WWE. That'll just about do it for us today. Join us this weekend for our coverage of high school basketball. Friday night on Classic Hits, we'll have Elmwood against Van Buren. Friday on WFOB, Old Fort against New Regal. And Saturday, we'll have a game on each station as well. On Classic Hits, we'll have a rematch of last year's district title game, Hopewell Loudon versus Mohawk. And then on WFOB, nearby conference rivalry matchup with uh, Van Buren taking on Faustoria. We'll have that Saturday night on WFOB. 
For my broadcast partner, Matt Common, this is Lance Moore signing off for this edition of the NWO Orthopedics Sports Huddle from the Fricker Studios. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you in the next one.